0: Hello, everyone. I'm Jim Paymar, and you are listening to The Big Shifts, the podcast that looks at the massive changes our world, our country, our politics, our media, and our institutions are confronting. Today, we're discussing a subject of extreme importance to our society, disinformation and misinformation, and how it impacts our decision-making, our politics, and how our society can move forward in a positive direction when we no longer trust and no longer know that what we read or view or listen to in the media is true or not. To discuss this issue and some other important problems we're experiencing during this societal big shift is Dr. Corrine Graham, Corrine is the president of Graham International Consulting, a New York-based firm that helps organizations and government entities build and expand to new and existing markets. Corrine is also an honorary research fellow for the Institute for Sustainable Development at the Mona campus in Jamaica. Corrine, welcome to The Big Shift.
1: Hey, Jim. Thanks for the invite. Excited to be a part of this, and it is indeed a big shift. Um, It is kind of uh, an exciting space to be in, but also a very scary part um, to be a part of as well. So thank you for inviting me to be a part of this conversation or discussion.
0: On that topic, how how do we combat misinformation and disinformation? I mean, many call for government regulation of social media platforms, online sites, and some sort of regulation of uh, cable airwaves where lies and conspiracy theories abound. Then you get the counterpoint that if we do that, we're interfering with the First Amendment and freedom of speech. Uh, Any thoughts on how we control this kind of monster that's been unleashed online and on our airwaves?
1: So, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, regulations are important. You know, you, as businesses, you, want, you don't want as much regulation as people. We don't want as much regulation. But I think there has to be a significant amount of that to be able to help. Uh, and we see that with our young people as well, like even the information that's out there to either the dark web and the data mining and the things that are put there that is not appropriate for them. Right. Whether they're, you know. Teen or they're in college years and so on and I think the other big part of this for me and that I see that works and I'm going to go from experience in terms of my training background or teaching background as well in research is that those conversations need to be had and need to be real when you you put people in an environment talk to them and you ask them a question they're going to answer just the, the same way of the things that make sense why do you believe it's a hoax or you say something and they will they'll answer and it's i think you have to set the stage and kind of become human beings again somewhat right
0: right I, I think. well we 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 don't talk to each other anymore i no. mean uh, you know i I've, I've been in rooms with people who are sitting there communicating on their own iPhones or their Samsung phones uh, or their Google phones, and they're sitting in the same room together. I I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. (laughs)
1: Madness. (laughs) And and then we talk about this, you know, what happened in terms of health and mental health and, and so on, right? Here it is. You're doing this, the social behavior, the socialization process and aspect of everything are so just very separate and segmented that... Uh, you know, these add to some of the challenges that we're, we're seeing or experiencing.
0: And, and, and you know, there, there are so many people on the right and on the left who kind of lock themselves in, a, I don't know, I guess I call it an echo chamber to get Their information, you know, like there are a slew of right wing radio stations that people listen to at home and in their cars and then they watch cable news channels like Fox or Newsmax and then they're given the same information over and over again and they don't see the other side at all and on the left. You also have news channels giving a point of view, though not much talk radio, but a lot of online publications giving the left the same sort of echo chamber And we all listen to our own echo chambers. We we listen to what we want to listen to and then we believe what we've heard or read or, or seen on television. Any thoughts on how we stop this one track thinking?
1: Um, so, uh, you know, it is a lot of work and I think it starts by, I think people are pouring in, um, and there's only so much that you can give, right? So all this information, we live in a very digital, very data, uh, information age. And I I think part of that becomes with understanding what their needs are and how it is that you're going to be able to fulfill it. And I think corporate, uh, you know, companies, the larger companies, you know, in terms of corporate social responsibility, I think they have an opportunity and the um, resources to start with their employees, because many of these people are employees to these organizations, right? And, you know, you have rights. So it's not necessarily to, but, you know, to have this very rigid structure, government trying to help um, uh, and trying to help to kind of keep a balance. And then everyone wants to have what they want want when they want it that entitlement aspect and knowing that doesn't work you know you have traffic lights for a reason right Mm -hmm. if it Mm -hmm. wasn't there think about the chaos the kind of stuff that would happen Uh, so government do have a role but I think you know the big businesses and even small businesses they also have a role to be really paying attention to what's going on because that's where all of this uh, these shifts happen go ahead
0: no no, 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 I I, I like that uh, train of thought. I mean, if if employees were given a greater uh, ability to communicate with management about what they see are strengths, weakness, weaknesses in the company or the communication in the company, if management were willing to listen to that and maybe step back from, Everything being about total profit and how we can profit off of uh, misinformation or disinformation, employees could make a difference.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, you know, I, there's a couple of things that's spiraling in my head. And I know for sake of time, I don't want to, you know, just go on, you know, forever and a day. But one of the things I learned when I was younger is that we eat with our eyes. Right. So go right back to marketing for those of us who have that sensory that's what we see. So our eyes, like that is a data point that they're trying to mine as well, right? So they're working on devices to be able to get in so that they can keep us glued to these things, whatever it is, and they're more sensational. And so at some point, this is where I I believe that, you know, you have an opportunity to get in because it's almost like you can only pour but so much water. It's going to start to overflow. It's not going to make the difference, do you think? So you need to kind of like get it to where it is, where you can get in and have that conversation or, you know, about policies or about, you know, regulations or things that are going to help in terms of what they're looking for.
0: Well, when you, when you, we talk about like social governance in a company uh, for, for example, Uh, A company like Apple has pulled back on advertising on Twitter Mm -hmm. and then Elon Musk, who now owns Twitter, Mm -hmm. is coming out and saying, I'm going to build my own iPhone. And, you know, who knows if he's capable of doing that or not. But, uh, you know, I mean, this this feuding that's going on in our society. I mean, it, it seems like everyone's in a fight these days. And and the, the strength of a, comp- a country like the United States is, is being united, not divided. And it seems like our media is dividing us and our social networking and uh, our social network platforms are dividing us rather than bringing us together. And we need to be together because, you know, we're in a world where there are a lot of geopolitical conflicts and we weaken ourselves, I think, by being divided. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, so I think absolutely, yes. Uh, there, again, you know, there are policies and regs, but when we are a society that's very... pro. I guess, pluralistic, right? And entitled, we don't tend to think about the rest of the the world Or what the impact is, and I think that's where again part of that is crisis management. You know, when you talked about you know earlier um, talking about that pandemic, you know, and that outbreak is how you manage a crisis, right? When it's an issue, and then addressing it before it gets to this. Another bit is that sometimes technology is way ahead before you have regulation or legislations that are passed to kind of to kind of help to get it, you know, to where where you need to be but i think you put you you really put that responsibility on organization to do better um, and to ensure that they are you know putting forth things that are really the the right things not misinformation or trying to spread disinformation and i think you will start to hone that back in i have friends uh, that i didn't realize were so extreme in their thoughts and they're nice people right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good deeds and so on. But once you have that conversation, it doesn't become about the blaming. I think there's too much blaming. It's you. It's this, you know, in right. one of my erased racism class, one of the things they showed, he never thought about it. If you're five, uh, whatever, let's say someone's six foot and let's say I'm five, two. Um, And I can't see over the fence. Does a person who is six really need um, to be um, to be more elevated or need those resources to be able to see over the fence, right? Someone else might need a little bit of a boost. and, And so therefore we make decisions based on this for the greater good and not just
0: for one. So well, Plus, uh, you know, w- w- when you talk about regulation, that plays right into the hands of a lot of people who say, hey, the government is too big. They're intruding on my life. They're, you know, they're trying to control everything. Uh, so so maybe that really isn't the answer. But somehow we have to figure out how to get along with each other. We, we can't go on having... Uh, I think we've had over 600 mass shootings in America this year. Oh, my
1: God. That's just just crazy.
0: So we we have to figure out a way. I mean, America, by and large, has more weaponry (laughs) per capita than any country in the world. We we lose more people on our own streets than we did fighting a 20-year war in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somehow this has to end. And uh, I don't know how it's going to end, but it's going to take a lot of political will on both the Democratic and the Republican sides. But I want to kind of switch gears for Mm -hmm. a minute and get back to the pandemic for a moment, Mm -hmm. because it, it really has changed the way our society operates. I mean, work changed. Mm-hmm. millions of people went to offices were staying at home and working virtually and and, and many people continue to work at home today mm-hmm. uh, schools and universities uh, you work at long island uh, long island university closed mm-hmm. their doors to students and young people were being educated on a computer screen our our social lives came to a rather abrupt halt as we were no longer able to gather or shop or go to concerts or dine in a restaurant unless we sat outside. And and many stopped using mass transit and started driving. I mean, you teach at Long Island University. What's your your view of how COVID and disinformation has impacted life for the students themselves? Um,
1: So, I, I mean, it is, it's... It has been really traumatic, and we see a lot even in terms of when we see overall in terms of mental health stats that they've talked about and things that happen. However, one of the things I wanted to, I think I should point out, Jim, is that this is not a new thing, right? For like 20-something years or more than 20-something years ago, um, I actually had, you know, like being in college, right? Mm -hmm. The virtual world is was uh, was a thing, right? I'm sure you're familiar with that. Um, So um, with with, you know, with the colleges and so on, when you get into with the students, it you know, it provides an opportunity for diversity of skills um, for people to who can, you know, work in terms of those kind of environment do both. There was always that hiccup of, you know, can it work? Won't it? um, Will it be effective? And I think that just happened. And I think like even with the in terms of the um, demographic that was impacted the, you know, low income and minority communities with uh, in terms of technology, like, why is it that internet wasn't free why is it that some school had access to you know computers or a laptop this is more the k-12 um schools and Mm -hmm. so on you had some of those students also in colleges who were impacted financially as a result of this so um i think we we this big shift as you shared covid uh, as unfortunate as a pandemic is and how Deadly and devastating it has been and still is was something to really push us to where it is that we need to go in terms of what's the next reality for us, right? Well
0: what is I mean, what is the new normal going to be? We we know that many young kids especially fell way behind in school by not being in a classroom without socializing with friends. I mean, kids just weren't allowed to be kids. I mean, what do you think? Will be the impact of this era? Will we begin to normalize again? Will kids be able to catch up from the year or two that they lost during the pandemic?
1: So they will definitely catch up. Uh, you have people who are wonderful who are working to ensure that they're successful and that our young people are successful. I think there's a lot more of that, and I think a lot more of those good news and good things that are happening should happen. Uh, the new normal. I mean, it's old. It's not a new normal. And I think that's kind of what I was, I was hoping to get to. The world as we know it has changed many years ago. You know, you see what's happening with in terms of technology um, and whether it's in, you know, the renewable, sustainable space um, or just tech itself with stuff we mentioned Elon Musk earlier yeah. and, and that sort of thing so I I'd seen a survey um, I think it was McKinsey I'm sorry you know hopefully you know not misquoting and they talked about the kind of world that you know they gave four world one was I think blue one was red one was yellow one was green one was corporate these mega companies monopolies uh, the other one just had to do with more like the innovative space which we're in right a very tech driven very innovative space uh, that we're experiencing. And our young people are prepared for it, right? Mm-hmm. We need the wisdom of the Gen X or Wires and the boomers to kind of help to guide them through some of the nuances of how to you know organize and to run a company successfully and let them run with the, the innovation and streamlining those those tidbits and one where they talk about like you know that balanced world right where artisans and so on are successful and they thrive better housing sort of things and the other one is just a green world which we know about you know a uh, uh, and it, it and green world or spaces do exist in others in a lot of other countries,
0: you know. I- as as the pandemic unfolded, karine we saw a lot of other serious issues surface. Homelessness climbed yeah. to all time highs. Uh, mental illness uh, impacted millions of people. Uh, the World Health Organization stated that COVID nineteen uh, triggered a twenty five percent increase in the prevalence of anxiety and depression. Young people uh, were found to be at a disproportionate higher risk of suicide and self-harming behaviors. And as we mentioned earlier, mass shootings reached epidemic proportions. I mean, here in America, there's not really a very solid safety net for these people who find themselves with mental and emotional problems. I mean, what can or, or should be done to help to solve this problem?
1: Um. You know, in the, I think in the schools, they do make sure, um, you know, their resources and they try to stress that and to ensure that that's available to them. But I think what is important is for us as faculty as well to be able to create a space Or an environment where they know that wherever the help that they need is there and to kind of help them thrive, right? Help them Mm -hmm. to become their best self. And I think we lead by example and it goes back to even some of those toxic things that are happening, right? So those example may not be such great example that we are training. I find that young people are resilient. They're persistent. And we know they are smart, right? Yes. So um, I think we now need to just tap into to, to them and kind of help them to kind of like see the pathway and help to create the pathway. Um, I want to use an example of, uh, for example, for housing, right? This homelessness and so on. It's right. nonsense. It should not happen. I, you know, personally, all of these things are my personal views. You know, you have to put those disclaimer out there <laughs> because mm-hmm. then, you know, people are going to come after you with razor sharp teeth about something in the organizations that you're related to accordingly which is unfortunate but um you know a lot of people when i guess you call you know when they get older they're empty nesters right Mm -hmm. and they tend to want to move to smaller spaces or different spaces or now they're loving the main street downtown sort of things and yet still they're so toxic and about making these homes that or apartments or so on that would be good for the young people and, and instead of kind of like recycling reusing thinking about a sustainable way of overall housing it will help to make it affordable right when you're starting out you don't need that humongous house when you have your kids you may have that when they're gone you don't need that space anymore some people might that's okay and that's again that's entitlement and that privilege mindset Uh, and that doesn't even have to do with just one race right there are a lot of people who are privileged and are and feel entitled and and don't realize that they know that so
0: you go ahead You communicated uh, with me earlier about uh, how many of your students had concerns about whether they'd ever be able to find a good job when they graduated, whether they'd be able to ever afford decent housing, whether they'd be able to pay back student loans. Uh, I mean, it seems like a, a, a great deal of disillusionment and disenchantment has taken hold of the Gen Z or millennial generation. Tell me about some of your thoughts, how the, the younger generation is coping.
1: So I think part of it is they're looking for like words they use uh, that they know is networking and building, you know, brand and do getting internship or apprenticeship. They're looking for those things. And to again, one of your two of your earlier points about the misinformation and disinformation, like there are job opportunities out there, as education, um, institutions, um, part of what we have to do, and they're doing that, and they're making that, you know, transition, if they're not, is to provide those transferable skills, like something you know about, right, that personal professional development, those transferable skills, which get them ready to go into the job, schools Mm -hmm, will provide, mm -hmm. you know, the technical skills that they need. And, um, you know, providing that kind of mentorship that, kind of guides them and help them um, you know we bring speakers into our classroom time to time they're different have different opportunities and so on and that exposes the students to other things that they need to do um, to be able to find the jobs and kind of open their eyes help them to see there are o- other opportunities not because you're going for a law degree doesn't mean that you know I'm going to use you know because it's trending you know bitcoin or the distributed ledger or blockchain or AI <laughs> is not an opportunity for you to still be an attorney, right? It's a different space and a different world.
0: Right. Well, you know, uh, we both know, Kareem, that life is not smooth. There are a lot of bumps in the road and (laughs) uh, a lot of obstacles that we have to overcome. Uh, In the book, How to Create Your Future with Confidence, in one chapter you write about never, never, never (laughs) quitting, no matter how difficult things might seem, oh my gosh. how many barriers are placed in your way? Uh, can you elaborate on that theme?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the long story short is I encountered a poem when I was eight for a recital and it says, don't quit. And my life journey has shown me that even my corporate world with the organizations that I've worked with, um, people who have I've consulted or mentored, and we just look at life in general like you don't give up. Right, there's always an opportunity. There's the next day, the next minute, the next moment, you know, healed your wounds, or people say, lick your wounds. You know, if hopefully that's appropriate to say on air these uh-huh. days, um, and and, and just go back, build, you know, pick yourself up like it's never too late. And, you know, most importantly for, for that, I think you have to surround yourself. Nothing new that I'm sharing here or rocket science, right? With people who are going to be there to help to cheer you on. I find that makes the biggest difference in the world, right? When you fall as a kid, whatever else it is, folks cheering you on or saying yay, even as an adult, you you build up and you want to get to that finish line. It doesn't mean that you have to get there first but you want to continue to be able to get to whatever that finish line is
0: and it's not wrong it's not wrong to seek help from other people either i mean i i I was just reading a piece about anderson cooper from cnn he's doing a a series uh, on uh, podcasting as well about grief and uh you know he, he he wanted to reveal the, the the inner issues that he felt you know confronting his father's death his brother's suicide mm. his mother's death yeah. and he he he, he didn't want to do it with a camera crew right. he set the camera up and he just put it on himself and he just wanted to just pour it out and there's nothing wrong, and I think a lot of people still have a stigma about seeking help or talking to your parents or talking to some friends. I mean, don't be isolated. I think that that's a big issue today. People are so isolated. They're, you know, they're, on, their, they're on their iPhones and, and uh, you know, on their iPads and on their computers, and they don't talk to anyone. Mm-hmm.
1: You're spot on, Jim, with everything you're saying. Just totally spot on, and that's where also in terms of the isolation, sometimes that's what feeds them. I'll tell you, for me, um, uh, for I use Facebook a lot, and that's because I do a lot of things in the community. And every opportunity, as I before I drive off and stuff, I'm posting things. I also check in because I know people need people to share them on. People want to know that people know that someone's interacting with them because it's their call for help, right? It's a social space. You don't look at all the other things that are going on. And it kind of, for me, it's like a detox, right? But I right. don't stay on it. I can't, I can't imagine, but it's there. So when you're empty and there's no one who's going to make that space or wanting to do that, and sometimes you just share like, you know what? you know, Anderson did like, you have to be vulnerable. You either have to do it in your own space and time, but it's okay. And you have to do it. It's, it's, it's an energy that you just have to release Mm -hmm. and it has to come out.
0: And for these young kids though, I mean, there, there's a lot of bullying and hostility that goes on. I mean, Mm. you can can be targeted Mm -hmm. by your schoolmates. Yes. And people can post things about you or, take a video of you that you're not even aware of I Mm -hmm. I, you know there there's some horrid things going on online and uh, you know somehow I don't know perhaps the educational institutions in our country need to get involved in this and, and, and start teaching kids how to utilize these technological tools because They they're getting taken advantage of and they don't know what to think or how to deal with these issues and how to confront them if if there is bullying going on. I mean, what do you do? How do you resolve those issues?
1: So I'm going to say for the most part, I think a lot of these institutions are doing and they're in place. And um, I think a lot of the students, for example, even my class, I teach a class, Corporate Social Responsibility and Sustainability at LIU Post, as you mentioned um, in an earlier part of the segment. And you have individuals like some of our case studies that we do and we look at real companies, real life situation that are happening, the students will come up and they will tell you, you know, they're gonna come to the aid of the person. So it's always trying to create, we've heard this time and time again, a safe space where individuals can come to. Sometimes a lot of this though, is uh, from the home space, right? So it's not just the space in terms of school, this is something from home in that space, whatever that is, that family space, that is still holding them back from being able to do that and i think you just you know you just create as many opportunities that you can for anyone who's in going through those moments to be able to reach out to you and you can point them in that direction. I think that is very important.
0: Just a final thought, and I Uh want to get back to where we began, which was talking about disinformation and misinformation. Uh, This is a big, big question, but how can America continue to be a a global leader and maintain a a powerful democracy when, when so many young people have have been turned off by politics, by the, the, the constant gridlock they hear about in Congress and in our, in our state governments and even at the local level. How do we ensure that we have a, a new generation of leaders and politicians so America remains strong <laughs> in an increasingly hostile world?
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting, because um, I think with we remember the time when Bernie was running and how the college students were behind him. In terms of what it is, and I think they know how to advocate, and they, they, their their voices being heard. Um, I think we just continue to um, help them and, and kind of show them that there are opportunities. But there's a lot of them who don't like they don't care for politics because exactly what you said it's become so ugly it's not something that they want it's not something that's part of their world they know how to kind of live together they have embraced diversity equity and inclusion so um, I think we just make sure that they know um, through courses like the ones that I teach and others leadership courses and so on the importance of their voice and Mm -hmm. the importance of the things that matter to them or that will matter to them in the future if you don't bring their attention to it they're going to just keep thinking you know what it's there's no fixing it right. so we have to make sure that we you know we keep them we keep them engaged
0: and and nothing is more important than getting out and voting because yeah. That's that's the bottom line. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the elections that we just went through in the midterms of 2022 uh, were mm-hmm. decided by hundreds of votes. I mm-hmm. mean, if, <laughs> it, you know, you can turn society around if you get out there and participate. And Corrine, mm-hmm. as usual, there's never enough time, uh, but we're going to have <laughs> mm-hmm. you back in the future on the big shift. Uh, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Jim, thanks for inviting me, and I hope I was able to add something to the conversation, all this really huge and very important part of what's going on and the dynamic aspect of this big shift that we're experiencing, not just in the U.S., but for our planet. So thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, it
0: It was my pleasure. And uh, that was uh, Corrine Graham the president of Graham International Consulting in New York. I'm Jim Paymar, and you have been listening to The Big Shift, available wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening today, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Big Shift coming soon. Stay tuned.